This week on the Habs Forum, the season is finally back tomorrow. The first game for the home opener against uh, the Leafs after such a long offseason. I mean, actually, it was a short offseason, but it was a crazy offseason, so it felt long. Uh, I think most Habs fans are very excited to get that going. Plenty, plenty, plenty to talk about. Uh, at this point, it happened a while ago, but we have to talk about Carey Price, of course, uh, going on uh, on leave. Nick Suzuki just today signs his new deal. No offer sheet coming for Suzuki next offseason. We don't have to worry about that. He's staying for the Canadian with the Canadians long term. Of course, got the final cuts, a few pickups, and Adam Brooks and Samuel Montembeau. And uh, we got the projected lines, too, so plenty to talk about. Plenty to talk about. Let's uh, uh, let's get right into it, Dustin. And, um, I mean, full disclosure, we are now recording this for the second time in a row because the recording <laughs> just stopped previously. So if, uh, if I sound a little bit scripted there, it's because I'm repeating exactly what I just said. But uh, let's uh, let's get into the, the Carey Price talk once again, uh, Dustin. So, of course, he took a leave of absence because of, uh, I mean, he went, I forget what the name of the program is with the NHL, but f- from all accounts, it, it just seems like it's a, a mental health issue. And he just, he's taking that minimum 30-day break. Uh, I mean, I mean, I think we just talked about it, like I said, but we, we, we support him 100%. And it's really a great example that these players are setting after DeHoyne doing it, now Price doing it. Um, I mean, you got to take care of yourself first, and he's got to think about himself and his family, you know? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we saw last year with DeHoyne, and, uh, you know, I mean, DeHoyne, you know, he missed, uh, missed a good chunk of last season, but this year, by all accounts, I mean, he seems to be back to himself. He seems, you know, happy. He's a leader in that room, so... You know, at the end of the day, you know, these, these guys, you know, we, we don't always necessarily not us, but I mean, I, I think some people don't necessarily always look at them as as real people. You know, yeah. the, a, a guy like Carey Price making ten point five million and and oh, he he's making all that money. How, why can't he just suck it up? You know, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, any we all know anytime Carey Price or any player on the Montreal Canadiens, but especially Carey Price makes a little mistake. Everybody's talking about it. It's yeah. it's all over the newspapers, all over all over radio, all over Twitter. And, you know, I, I sure. I mean, I'd, I'd love to be making ten point five million, but I can't imagine the stress that, that, that must be that goes with that. You know, of course. I mean, especially in Montreal. I mean, the the the, the gold the number one goaltender in Montreal is probably one of the top ten most stressful like professional sports jobs in in North America. You know, like it, it's 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 really up there because there's such a history with, with the goaltending position in Montreal, and 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 I mean, a lot of current fans like our our, our parents' generation like they still want to compare him to to, to Patrick Juan. No one's ever good enough because. They can't compare. So the amount of stress that comes with it, and the same thing we saw with Drouin as being a French Canadian player playing in Montreal, it's it, it's no surprise that these players uh, need need to take time for um to, to figure things out. And and you, you got to think that he saw, like you said, Drouin coming in by all accounts doing much better, much better, and maybe he, it made him realize that this is something that could help him too because. It, it, that's that's the thing. There's there's a stigma behind uh, mental health still, and it's, like we're both around right around Carey Price's age. So uh, like we, I always love to say that I would have been drafted the same year as uh, as Carey Price. <laughs> but uh, so so we grew up in exactly the same time, right? And I mean, we know how it was in in, in sports as, as a youth, playing football, playing hockey. There there was no such thing as taking a break for your mental health, caring about your mental health. It was about you suck it up and just. And, and you know, go for it. So I, I can completely understand where for for Price, because the timing makes him off. But I'm not surprised that he needed to see someone else go through it and, and kind of get success through it to realize that maybe that's what he needed. Also, you know. Exactly. No, that's that's. I'm sure that's that's a really good point. That you know, obviously he saw what 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 how it did for the way last season and. And and again, by all accounts, it looks like the boy is doing much better. And and he probably saw that and realized that wow, you know, I mean, maybe maybe I should be doing this for for myself, not only myself, but obviously, you know, my family, my uh, my three young kids that I have at home. So you know, I mean, and at the end of the day, you know, I mean, Benjamin said it too. You know, it's minimum 30 days, but he doesn't expect it to be much much longer than that. Um, you know, it's the beginning of the season. I think the Canadians can can go 30 days with uh, with Allen and, and Montembeau. And you know, at the end of the day, the important thing is is Carey Price gets gets him, himself right for for himself, for his family, and for his future. 
And here's the thing. If we're looking at it just on a, as a hockey perspective, too, right? Because we've talked about the human side. We support him no matter what. But as a hockey perspective, if this means he comes back and and in, in top form, because we, of course, recent carry price in the playoffs was fantastic and a huge reason why the Canadians made it to the Stanley Cup final. But regular season carry price hasn't been uh, up to par necessarily. And the Canadians could have easily missed the playoffs uh, last year. And if, if he comes back, you know, at, at top form for the regular season, I mean, th- that that could definitely it can make the difference between the Canadians making and not making the playoffs. Absolutely, it's the Canadians are in the toughest division uh, in the league, in my opinion. And I mean, there's a reason why all all the experts once again are 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 saying they're not going to win anything and they're going to finish out uh, out of the playoffs. But that's right where the Canadians like to be. So, I mean, even on a team perspective, I, I think it can end up helping the team if he comes back stronger. And I have all the all the confidence in Jake Allen. He looked great in the in the preseason games. We did see him play. Uh, Moulton, I don't know if he I, I I didn't get to catch all the preseason games unfortunately. But the one game I did see him play. Uh, the team kind of left him out to dry his his first game. He felt felt a little bit bad for him, quite the welcome party. But uh, I mean, I, th- I think a solid enough um, backup to, to Jake Allen for the, for the first thirty days. So I, I really don't think if if there is a situation where the Canadians don't have a great first thirty days, I don't think it's going to be because of goaltending. I, I really have that that trust in Jake Allen. No, oh, absolutely. No, I mean, uh, you know, especially if it's only for a month or so, uh, you know, and, and for however, for uh, for however long it is for, I mean, I, I, I think the Canadians will be fine. You know, I mean, Jake Allen, he really is one of the biggest reasons that, that we made the playoffs last season. And, and Moulton Boy, I think, is a fantastic pickup. So yeah. uh, I, th- I think we're going to be fine. And, you know, uh, Carey Price will take the time that he needs and hopefully he'll be back better than ever. So uh, let's move on to the the big news of the day. Then Nick Suzuki signs a pretty big contract for uh, for a player his age. I mean, no no bridge deal for Suzuki, so it's essentially eight millions per, more specifically seven point eight seven five over eight years. I mean, it's a long term contract. It, it's buying into UFA years, which is why it may be a bit more than maybe some people expected. But I like this. I don't. I we, we've done the bridge contract in the past. Like, let, let, just look at the PK Subban. He got the bridge contract that Bergeron fought tooth and nail for. The, that negotiation potentially hurt the relationship between the team and the player. And then PK Subban ended up be, becoming even better, having like winning a Norris on that on that bridge deal. And then he ended up signing an even bigger contract like after that. So uh, I have so much confidence in Nick Suzuki. I'm not even worried a little bit that he's not going to live up to this contract. And the thing is, is if he doesn't live up to this contract. The Canadians have much bigger problems than cap issues because the Canadians need Nick Suzuki to become an $8 million a year player. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, this was a pretty good deal, um, you know, and, and even going on Twitter, I don't think there was too many people, at least that I saw, that, that, that didn't think it was a good yeah. deal. No, you know, not. No Habs fans. Yeah, right. not even, you know, not just Habs fans, but, you know, other teams even from around the league, anyone that was tripping in thought, thought that, you know, for the most part, it would you know, it was, it was a pretty decent deal. So, no, I'm definitely not too worried about it. I I was expecting that probably he'd get about that. I mean, I was I was thinking eight years, eight million. So it's it's right around there. Uh, and you know, I mean, at the end of the day, he he definitely has he didn't he hasn't regressed so far. No, exactly. You know what I mean, exactly. And, and we and thought he's maybe in the playoffs too. That's what that's what goes yeah. a long way too, right? Like he's he's performed in the playoffs with the pressure on him. He's the undisputed number one, one first line center on, on the Montreal Canadiens. And and you, and you the, the thing about Nick Suzuki that's crazy that, that feels new for Habs fans is like Habs fans tend to get a ton of hate on uh, on social media, as it is for most bigger franchises in pro sports. The biggest fan base tends to be the loudest. Other fan bases don't like it. Like I I get it. It is what it is. But a guy like Nick Suzuki. Other other teams, other fans of other teams, they love Nick Suzuki. And I don't remember a player on the Canadians being so loved by other teams as Nick Suzuki in, in, in recent years. And it, it just shows how special of a player uh, we have. And I, I'm ecstatic that we have him locked, locked, in, locked in for, I guess, nine years because he still has this year's contract to go to. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, he's he's definitely established himself as a legit first line center. I don't think there's any debt about that. Um, is is eight million dollars or just just north or south of eight million dollars at this point a little bit expensive? Yes, but I I don't think it's going to be expensive in two, three, four years. I mean, you know, it might not be expensive at all because if he he's improved every year, like you said, he he he's never taken a step back. Every year he improves. If he improves again this year. 
then by the end of the year when his contract kicks in, maybe he's worth eight million. Like I wouldn't be shocked by that at all. No, oh, and, and and like you mentioned, I mean, we we bought three years. I, I believe it was three years of uh, a free agency. So that that's fantastic. You obviously did not want to end up in the same sort of a situation that just happened with Kukini. Exactly. You know, you wanted to, you know, and I mean, cooking any whatever he he hadn't hit his potential just yet. Is he going to in the future? You know, possibly. But Nick Suzuki, we already know what he is and he could exactly. even get any, you know, he could get even better. And, you know, you don't want that kind of situation. You also don't want the same sort of situation that's going on in Ottawa right now with Brady Kachuk, where you have exactly. your best player. And, and I mean, like, it just seems like the negotiations going terribly, you know, and, and, and they're probably going to end up losing one of their best young players because of, you know, what's, what's going on right now. You don't, you don't want that sort of situation. You're, he wants to be here. You, we obviously want him here and we're locking him in. You know, he's going to be here for the next nine seasons. We don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, exactly. The, the, the situation in, uh, in Ottawa with, with Kachuk is, is, is a great example. Like you, you don't want that. It just, it can sour the relationship between the team and, and, and the player. Like you don't always hear about it, but you get the feeling that behind closed doors, those negotiations really don't go well. And, and what I like about it too, is that this is, this is where I want the cap space to go. You know, you don't want it to go to, you know, like overpaying free agents, overpaying for, years 28 to 33 of, of a player's uh this is his prime we're playing for, we're paying for nick suzuki's prime this this is like assuming that like because you never know what can happen with injuries and things like that but assuming assuming suzuki stays healthy and continues on the same progression he's gone he wouldn't even need to become that much better to be worth this contract in my opinion just such a fantastic player and uh just it's it's just a relief. It's just such a relief, to, and it's it's so great to have a homegrown talent and being able to lock him in a year before his contract's up. There's no worry. There's no stress. He can get just focus on the on the, on the task at hand coming up, and that that's him. His first 82 season, 82 game season as the number one center of the Montreal Canadiens, and also as the if I'm not mistaken, I, I saw a tweet about it, but I'm assuming it's true. It makes sense to me. Highest paid forward, the biggest contract from for a forward in uh, Montreal Canadiens history. Can you think of anyone else? Got no, to be. Right? That has to be. I mean, who would who would be any bit? I can't even think of anyone that would be even remotely close. It no, would have no. to be like I think it was actually Gallagher and Anderson before. Yeah, but like on the current, but even before that, like there's never been a player like we never. Patch already never got a contract this big. I mean, PK Subban's contract before he got moved was 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 huge too, and it was a bigger cap hit at nine million, and that's a few years ago, so it's even even bigger if you if you if you compare it that way. But uh, as far as forwards go, yeah, no comparable. No, definitely, definitely by far, and you know, I mean, he's definitely showed that he he, he deserves it so far, and um, you know, I I, I think he's only going to get better. And you know this this time around he's gonna have a full season now probably with uh, with playing with the Foley and Caulfield so he's gonna have even better wingers than he's had in the past uh, and I mean he's gonna get every opportunity to succeed not to, not that he didn't get all opportunities last season but I think he's just gonna keep getting better and uh, sure. and yeah I, I definitely think he's gonna earn that contract and you, you can't be can't be mad about this deal that's for sure now, the one thing I'm curious about now and my first first thought. So, so this this is the Canadians' young player that we're, we're we're saying we're building around this guy. He's the future of the franchise, and this is the type of player that usually, you know, after the veteran retires with the C, a couple of years later he gets the C. Now on this podcast, we've said many times we we think Brendan Gallagher is a no brainer. You've had your 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 doubts maybe because of his relationship he has with the refs. Maybe he's better suited to stay as an assistant. Do you think there's a chance, assuming we're like we know there's no no captain going to be announced this year? Shea Weber is still on the team he's just on the ir if a captain is announced next year even maybe a year after that do you think maybe at this point suzuki might be in the conversation over gallagher uh, man it could be i mean I, I don't know if the organization feels the same way or has maybe the same concerns that i do um i mean uh, naturally gallagher, gallagher, you mean, right? yeah, gallagher. yeah exactly i mean i think naturally gallagher would uh, would seem like the obvious choice but again that relationship with the refs i think could maybe put a damper on that um but yeah, I mean, aside from that, maybe it is Suzuki. I mean, he's obviously going to be the centerpiece of of what they're going to be doing over the next almost decade. So, you know, he's, and he's, he's going to be on the first that. line. He's going to be playing the top yeah. minutes. I mean, Gallagher, uh, he's 29. The style of play he plays, there there is likely to be a regression on so, at some point playing less minutes. 
I love Galli. I'm not mad if he's the captain, but I wouldn't be mad or shocked if, if it ends up being Suzuki, especially if you consider that this decision won't be made for another year, year and a half, two years even. And at that point, if Suzuki has established himself as even more as a first-line center, he, he's producing like a first-line center, and he, he has shown leadership capabilities. He shows up in the playoffs. Like everything you want from a captain – and the, the, what I love about that too, about him being named a captain, is just it's just embracing the youth, right? Which is what this team needs to do. Needs to remember, despite the cup run that was that was, let's be honest, me. I don't want to say a fluke, but like it, they didn't go on a cup run because they were one of the best teams in the league. You know, they were a Cinderella team. So it's, it is important to, to, to keep focusing on on the youth of this team, and and that that's Nick Suzuki. It's a, him and Confield, the future of this team. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and we've we've locked in that first piece. And now, well, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do a full season together. I mean, Caulfield, oh. you know, at, at this point is going to be is the front runner for the Calder. I think he's going to have, you know, it's going to be tough. I mean, there's definitely a lot of a lot yeah. of other solid candidates. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's if he can do what we saw from him, you know, just last season and even in the playoffs and they're, they're going to have a solid, solid year next season. I mean, he he's gonna get every opportunity to potentially win the Calder. Um, I apologize. I, there's construction going on in my building. I don't know if you can hear it on uh, on your end. Yeah, yeah we okay. definitely can. It's it's it's, uh, it's throwing me off a little bit. It, it shouldn't last too long, but they've been changing the door to my apartment for the entire day. Like I'm saying, they showed up here at 7:30 in the morning. I, if you know me, I do not wake up at 7:30 in the morning. Okay, I, I wake up at 9:45, start my work shift at work at 10. Okay, so I don't know what's taking them so long to finish this, but they're still going. And <laughs> I'm about to lose my mind, but it's all it's all good. The Canadians are playing tomorrow, so you know, let's uh, let's uh, let's move on. But yeah, I mean, the, the biggest storyline for me is really seeing Nick Suzuki and and, and Cole. I mean, I mean, obviously, like Caulfield going on that on that. Uh, Call, going for that Calder to me is is a giant storyline. Like that, that's what I'm most excited for. Because if I'm being honest, I don't really believe the Canadians have a strong chance of making the playoffs, especially considering starting the year with injuries and and and, and the price situation and, and all that. I mean, it, it could happen. It, it could happen, and they, they've surprised me in the past. But I think the Cole Caulfield Calder race might really be the biggest story for the Canadian Canadian fans this this year. I haven't been this excited for uh, for for a rookie in I mean I don't remember when honestly I mean Suzuki we weren't expecting him to be this good it just he kept surprising every step of the way we're expe- expecting a lot from Coffee he's gonna be on the first line we've already seen what he can do in the playoffs and again the last year I I am a hype to see what Coffee can do if if he can hit just thirty goals which doesn't seem that crazy at all for no, a rookie definitely. I mean. That that would absolutely be fantastic. I mean, not not only those two. I mean, let's not forget about Tyler Toffoli either. That you know he had 28 goals last year sure. in just uh, you know about 50 games. So you know could he could he hit 30? You know, I mean now you're talking about two guys on the same line scoring 30 goals. Don't know when when we saw that the last time with the Montreal Canadiens, and and center you know and and Nick Suzuki between the both of them. I mean. That's a that's a pretty legitimate first line there, yeah. and I mean, well, Kof, one thing no, Foley, though we have to temper our expectations because he's not going to play as much against Vancouver this year, so that that cuts out about half his goal production. That is true, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I I definitely don't expect him to to put up necessarily the numbers that he did last season. No, I mean, uh, but uh, but I mean, no, they're they're definitely going to be pretty solid. Cole Caulfield, you know, I mean, I th- I think it's going to be tough. I think. We do have to sort of temper the expectations a little bit, I think, with Caulfield. You know, he's not used – I mean, this is obviously going to be an 82-game season here. He's yeah. not used to that. You know, he's when he was playing in uh, in college in Wisconsin, you know, they were playing about 30 to 35 games a season. So it's going to be a lot less. Um, going through that grind is going to be tough. But, you know, I mean, I, I don't think 30 goals is uh, is impossible. Obviously, you know, there's a couple of other good rookies, Trevor Zegris from uh, from the Ducks and Spencer Knight from the uh, the goaltender from the Panthers uh, come to mind. But right now he's the favorite. And I definitely think he uh, he has that. Ch- he has a chance for sure. Because especially because of his situation, right, he, he gets to play with Nick Suzuki, right, who who is developing into an elite playmaker in, in, in the in the NHL. Right? So that that's what uh, really gives him an opportunity to he's going to get top line minutes he's going to get power play time he's, he's going to get all the opportunities to to get those goals and, and we saw it a few times in preseason i mean that he he hasn't forgotten how to shoot he still has a fantastic shot i mean i'm i'm, I'm excited just for those two just it's just it's going to be such an electric line 
Uh, but I mean, I mean, Austin, th- that's been set in stone though. The, the big story uh, in, in Priest, I mean, we're excited for Dvorak. His line looked good with Dehoy and Anderson. That's gonna be, but it's really the bottom six where there was a bit of a, kind of a, a fight in, in, in preseason to see who was going to make it. And we talked about it for multiple podcasts in a row, how we were kind of excited for Ryan Paling. This is his opportunity. He has to grab it, uh, especially with the Kakanyemi situation. We talked about how, like, if he can have a huge camp and, and make the team and, and, and show himself as a third-line center, quickly would people forget the Kakanyemi situation. And, uh, I mean, technically Paling did make the team, but it's pretty much just So disappointing. No, I, I, it, it is really disappointing for sure. I mean, you know, like we've talked about in the last podcast, and I think the last couple of podcasts, this was his opportunity to finally make this team, solidify his position. Dano's gone, Kakinami's gone. This this was really his opportunity. And I mean, you know, yes, like you said, he did make the team out of camp, but I definitely don't expect him to be that to be around for too long. I mean, obviously the Canadians just claimed, uh, you know, the center from uh, from the Toronto Maple Leafs, Adam Brooks, who who looks like he's probably going to take over that line. And Jake Evans looks like he's he's solidified his spot in that third line. So where does that leave Ryan Paling at this point? You know, he's he's probably going to be sent down to to Laval. I would expect in the next week or two. Um, you know, I, we talked about this a little bit before. I, I think the only reason why he's on the team right now is that Adam Brooks is going to be joining them. I believe uh, tomorrow he's just going to meet them in Toronto, I think. So, you know, not going to have any time to practice with the team before the first game. So I think Paling probably gets the first game or two, maybe even the first three. I I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't. Like, I could see Paquette and and Pelo, and, like, I would argue Belzilla deserves it more. Because that's what's so disheartening about Paling is – it really seems like it's a work ethic issue, you know, like, like it, it's like he constantly needs someone on his ass. I mean, maybe he did well last year because like, Joel Bouchard is no longer the coach of the rocket. Like we, we know now that he has a bit of a reputation of being a, a pretty, a hard ass as a coach and pretty intense and, and which is not always the best thing in, in the modern NHL, but maybe the type of thing that Paling needs because he just can't motivate himself. Like, I don't know what it is, but if that's really what it is and it's a work ethic issue and like we're talking about a team with a GM that clearly goes to the gym about 25 times a day. I mean, you, you know, work ethic is very important to him. It's just, Palin just doesn't seem to have it. I, I expect him honestly to be moved at some point this season, like unless he does get to play at the beginning of the year and he, he surprises and he's just not a guy who performs in preseason. Like, I don't know. Like I, I would not, I, I would be surprised at this point that if Brian Paling is still a Montreal Canadian by the end of this season. I mean, you, yeah, you could, you could, you could see it for sure, and it's disappointing because you know talking about work ethic, it, it seemed like he had really bulked up coming into the preseason, looked like he really got jacked, and and you know he was in the best shape of his career seemingly, but you know I mean a lot of the time on the ice, I mean he, he did, he did have his flashes I thought in the preseason, but there was times when. You know, he he just looked lazy and disinterested, and yeah. and especially when you know this, you have this opportunity, and to not seize it and not give your 110 10 percent. I mean, it, it's it's really disappointing, and you know, it it looks like you know he'll probably maybe he'll get maybe he doesn't get a chance like you like you said maybe it's just they're just gonna roll with Pocket at center and Belzil on the wing, but you know if he does get the opportunity, which I hope he does, you know, and and we'll see if he can do anything in the first two or three games. Right. If I don't not, know if I hope he does. He doesn't deserve it. You know, like he he he, no, he didn't earn it. Right. And, right. and and a guy a guy like Bill Zill deserves it. And I I'd be shocked if he because let's talk more about Adam Brooks. I think that's a fantastic pickup by uh, by the Canadians. If, if just for the simple fact that if you go on Twitter or any leave if you go on Leafs message boards, they were so annoyed that the Canadians picked up Brooks. Uh, <laughs> That is all. That's all I need. That that alone makes it a good pickup for the Canadians, in my opinion. That it kind of pissed off some Leafs fans. You know, it's just funny. But that tells you also that this this is not a guy. I mean, of of course the the, the Leafs have have a very strong team, and, and it's it's not an easy team to make. But when when you when you see that the fan base is kind of conflicted, and maybe some of them would have preferred someone else got cut from the team. That that tells you that it's a solid player. Definitely, if it's a player that you're just looking to slot in on your on your fourth line. I mean. But by, by, by all accounts, he's a very solid player, and 
you look at his numbers too. Like even in the NHL, he scored four goals in eleven games last year. I mean, that's not nothing uh, while on the Leafs. So as your as your fourth line guy, I'm excited to see what he can do. And I think, like you said, you're probably right that he doesn't start the year just because he hasn't practiced with the team. But give it a couple of games, and I think he slots right in. And I think we just kind of forget about Paling, you know, unless injury injuries happen, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think you would expect probably Paling to be one of, if not the first call-up, at least at this point. Um, you know, if it it, it it definitely seems like he's headed back down to Laval. Um, you know, you mentioned Joel Bouchard being a hard-ass. New head, head coach of the Rocket, uh, Jean-Francois Lude, is known to be a pretty big, uh, pretty hard-ass as well. <laughs> so maybe that'll be a good thing for Paling. Uh, but I mean, no, like you said, Adam Brooks, I mean, the numbers he's put up, I don't know a whole lot about him, but, you know, he put, he obviously put up some great numbers with, well, some pretty decent numbers, like you said, four goals in 11 games, put up some great numbers in the AHL as well with the, with the Marlies. Um, and, and, you know, I think and the juniors, he was a scorer. Like he, his last year with the Regina Pats, he got 130 points in 66 games. Like, like, I don't think that's going to translate to the NHL is going to be a top scorer, but like this is going to has talent. He's still pretty young. Could end up being a steal. I mean, you look at because you can get some steals in the waiver wire. Look at a guy like like Paul Byron for the Canadians, who's obviously injured to start of the year, but like has has been a a huge acquisition over the years for the Canadians. So 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 you never know. I mean, this Adam Brooks guy might might end up being a steal, and every time he plays well, it's gonna piss off Lee fans even more. Really, a win win. I am rooting for this Adam Brooks guy so hard. No, absolutely. I mean, he definitely seems like a good pick uh, or a good pickup on the waiver wire. And like you said, I mean, any time that, that the Canadians acquire someone and the other team was fan base is mad about it, that's always yeah, obviously exactly. a very like, good sign. But yeah, exactly. Forget about the Leafs aspect of it, you know, because which does make it funnier. But like a- any team, like anytime the Canadians may pick up a player that is maybe a less known player that I mean, I don't know as much about, I haven't seen him play as much. I always love going to look at what, what that team's kind of Twitter, what that team's like, the, the, their message boards and all that, what they're saying about the player, because it really gives you kind of an inside look at their, their, their situation. Like, what, for example, last year when the Canadians picked up Eric Gustafson, um, everything I read about it on the on, on Twitter message boards is exactly what we got. This is someone who really could not play any defense, had some small flashes of offense, but no one uh, was sad to see him go uh, <laughs> on their end. So, but that's not the case with Adam Brooks, and there there was a spot for him on the fourth line. It's there, and maybe he 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 has moments where he outplays Jake Evans. But I like that Jake Evans, Joel Army, and Brendan Gallagher line personally. I, I think that has a lot of potential, and I I know you were a little concerned early on in preseason about Jake Evans slotting in as a third line center. But I mean, I'm excited to see what he can do, and. You talk about someone who doesn't have the work effort in Ryan Pelling and hasn't earned a spot. Jake Evans has earned every single minute he gets to play on the ice. Uh, so I'm excited for him to, to be slotted in the third line. Ha- did fantastic uh, as a defensive center also at times last year in the playoffs and everything. So, I mean, he, I, I, I'm excited for Jake Evans on the third line. I, I think he'll do great there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, Jake Evans is obviously a guy that has worked for every single thing that he's gotten. Nothing's been given to Jake Evans in his career. And I mean, it, like he just keeps getting better and better. I, you know, I, I always thought he'd be some sort of a fringe guy, you know, probably in NHL, in a career AHL or, but I mean, what he's done and he just keeps getting better and better. And during the preseason, I thought he was, he was fantastic. He's one of yeah. the best players for the Canadians. So, you know, I'm, I'm not as worried as I, as I was before. I, I still think ideally he's a fourth line center, but you know, if, if, if Adam Brooks, doesn't beat him out or and if ryan paling obviously uh can't can't do it either then you know jake evans i think can be uh can be a, a decent third third and line center especially if, if he has solid wingers that, that's what you love to see too that he, he performed in preseason because he didn't take for granted that he had to spot on the team even though i mean the way he played at the end of last year there would be no reason for him not to make the team but he still showed up ready to go for camp and really showed that they don't have to worry about it. Like if if Habs management was of the same thought as you were, where they weren't sure, like is it really a guy that could be an everyday third line center? He, he showed up ready to go and and prove them that that he at least deserves the shot there. And playing next to Army and, and Gallagher, I think that could be a really 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 solid line. I mean, I would hate to play against that line. Evans is in your face the whole time. Army, you can't knock him off the puck. And I mean Gallagher. What more do you need to say about Gallagher when we talk about hating playing against the line? So, I mean. I'm 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 not worried about Evans there, really. Like, and then you have Brooks as the fourth line guy. I mean, I mean Paling, just go home, Paling. I mean, I just I don't know. I'm I'm done with Paling at this point. Just 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 trade him for a pick and move on. 
Yeah, so it's it's obviously a massive disappointment. I mean, I, you know, if if he doesn't progress at all this year, then it, it probably is the end for him. He'll probably get moved at some point. Um, but, you know, at, at this point, I mean, he's going to be like that fifth-line center, I guess. Well, though, they do have pocket, too, so. Exactly. But, and and uh, Peru has played center at times. I mean, uh, I, I believe he prefer not to play center these days because of, like, his shoulder injuries. But, like, in a pinch, he can, he can still step in, you know. It's... He had his chance. He didn't take it. You know, like what? What else is he gonna show? Like he dominated in in in, in Laval at times last year, Palin. So you th- you thought that, that we all thought that was a sign that he'd show up at camp and do well, but it didn't happen. Yeah, I don't. I mean, you know, I think I think what you want to see from him is that he goes down to Laval, works hard, it, and obviously the Canadians are gonna have injuries at some point, so I'm <laughs> sure he'll get his his call up, and, and you know when he does get that call up, hopefully he's ready to go and and maybe can can change uh, everyone's sort of perception of, of them. All right, we'll see, but you say they'll get injuries. There's already two guys injured uh, on the Ford group in Paul Byron and Mike Hoffman, and we're still talking about how he probably doesn't slot into the lineup. So, I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about a situation where, I mean, there's a lot of injuries on the, on the Canadians. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I don't know. I just, it doesn't seem like he's, he's going to be a difference maker. We'll just remember him for that one game uh, at the end of the regular season that one year, and it, it'll, it'll, it'll be a fun story moving on. I, I don't <laughs> expect anything more from Paling uh, at, uh, at this point. There was one positive we should end the, the the camp talk on a positive. He was cut. He was sent back. We talked about him last week a bit too. But Caden Gooley looked absolutely fantastic. Uh, probably had the coaching staff and 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 Mark Bergeron too questioning a little bit at, towards the end. Should we really cut him? Because do you think that he he he's probably already better than some of the defensemen on the Canadian top six right now? I, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is he that much? I mean, I don't know. I, I guess he's pretty close to some of them. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, I definitely think it's the best thing if they cut him. Oh, um, absolutely. You know. Absolutely. Like, I'm happy they cut him. It's better for his uh, development, you know. I mean, people keep talking about Kotkaniemi and all that. I do think it's a, it's a bit of a dis- different uh, situation. But it's, it's just – it's exactly what, exactly what we wanted to see from Gouli is you wanted him to be one of the last cuts. You want him to – Put a bit of a seed of the doubt that he could he could uh, make the team, but end up sending him to junior, and then you hope he dominates, becomes the captain of uh, of the world junior team in Canada, like some rumors were saying, and has a great tournament there too. And then as soon as next year, he could definitely slot, slot in when um, I mean, if, if I'm not mistaken, Ben Sherratt's contract is up next year, uh, and uh, I mean, I definitely wouldn't be rushing to re-sign him. Kulak's contract is up next year, so. The, the, there's a good chance there'll be a, a spot for him next year if if he if he dominates this year in, in junior. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he he definitely turned a lot of heads. He he looked like he belonged, and you know he he could have potentially was he one of the six or seven best defensemen on the Canadians in camp. Uh, yeah, probably he probably was, but uh, you know, and and could he play in the NHL today? I mean, he probably could. You know, and then probably like you know a bottom pairing uh, pairing, but. But uh, but definitely, I mean, I'm I'm happy to see him go back. He's gonna be, you know, he's already the captain of his team in Prince Albert. Could yeah. very well be the captain of the uh, of Team Canada at the World Junior. He's gonna have a big season. Uh, so yeah, he's definitely got a lot of hockey ahead of him this season. And and you know, hopefully he he steps up. And maybe next season, I mean, it wouldn't be wouldn't be too much of a surprise to see him make the team out of out of camp next season. So then let's talk about the top six this year then, because. Edmondson's still out, uh, uh, as we know. So he's he's when he's back, he's going to slot in next to Petrie. Uh, they did great with, uh, with together. So for now, Kulak is there. I, I I don't I don't I I don't like hate that. Like Kulak and Petrie have a history of playing well together, and Kulak is the guy you want slotting in to replace the guy that's injured, right? Like that that's exactly what you want out of a uh, out of Brett Kulak. Now where there's concerned, uh, and we've talked about it on the podcast. We laughed about how it was obviously going to happen, even though it's. In our minds, obviously shouldn't, and and it, it, sometimes it's like we're watching completely different hockey teams than the coaching staff and man, management. But for some reason, Ben Sherratt and David Savard look like they're going to be lining up together, and it's no hate to those two players individually, but we're just going to have a repeat of what we saw at times with with Sherratt and Weber last year. They're just not a proper match, big slow defensive, and doesn't fit well with the modern NHL. I, I, I just, you just know, I can already picture the two minutes stuck in our zone that ends up in a goal. And, and both of them just gassed, not able to get to the puck, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you can say the same thing about the third pairing with Romanov and Weidman. You know, it's two guys that are, that like to take a lot of risks. Yeah. That you know, they're they're more offensive than uh, than defensive. Typically, they 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 both can make mistakes in their own zone. So not two guys that you would necessarily really want to play together. So it it really it just boggles my mind why they wouldn't put Romanov with uh, with Savard and Sharat with Weidman. It just it, it just did, seems did plan- to make so much. To just play four defensemen like they did in the playoffs, you can't do that in a regular season. Everyone's got to play, you know. And, and and it's like they're setting up Romanov to fail, and it's like there's Romanov and Weidman, like you said, they're gonna have a, a few shifts where it doesn't work, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you see, guys, Romanov's not ready, and then all of a sudden he he he's sitting for someone else. Like I I don't know, I I, I just I don't get it. I, I it doesn't make any sense to me. I I just. Uh, it's definitely weird. I mean, hopefully, just, you know, hopefully it doesn't last like that for too long. Um, you know, I mean, I can understand them playing together on the PK. That's that's fantastic. That's sure. great. But uh, but no, it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't make sense as a five on five unit. I think they're and we even saw it a little bit in the preseason where, you know, they were getting they, they were struggling together. So I, I don't know. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And hopefully Duchamp and the rest of the coaching staff will will wake up to that at some point we'll get to see the pairings that that I think we all want to see yeah I, I know and it's like it's, it's especially with Ben Chirot where it's it, it seems to me like the staff sees a different player than the rest of the fan base sees and I, I just don't get it you know like he has his value he's a solid player he's he's, he's tough he's hard to play against stay at home defenseman but he has to be in the right role he, he has to be playing a limited amount of minutes and just, I don't know. It's just, it's setting up these players to fail, setting up Romanov and Weinman to fail, setting up Schrott and, and Savard to fail. And then all of a sudden you're, you're, you're realizing that those pairings aren't working. So you, you, and you end up playing Petrie and Kulak for 30 minutes a game. And then you're setting them up to fail because they're, they're, they're playing way too much. Right. It's just, I don't know. Like, like you said, it, it's just it's the very beginning. I mean, it, it could change during the very first game, but uh, it's just it's just concerning that it's starting like that. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, uh, you know, we'll we'll see how it how it turns out, but you know, hopefully they're they're not going to be too stubborn. Duchamp's not going to be too stubborn and keep these uh, these pairings together for too long because I don't. It it just doesn't make sense, and I mean, it doesn't seem to make sense to anyone, uh, any Habs fans really. So we'll see how how that pans out. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I suffer from that. The, the, the forward lines I love. Like, I, I literally would not change a thing uh, with uh, with the forward line. It's exactly what I, what I wanted to see uh, from the coaching staff. I mean, the, the fourth line, you can slot people in and out like, constantly. Uh, that That's fine. you got energy guys there. With, with Lekkanen, who's there, who's always solid defensively, who helps too. And then we already talked about the Evans line, the, the Vorak line, the Suzuki line. Like, fantastic. Love the way they're handling the forward group. It's, it's just really the defense. I don't get it. It's like they, they know it's important to have puck movers on the ice, right? On defense, like I guess they maybe they don't. Maybe they don't know. Like I don't know. Like like and I just we, if this team is going to be good, I, I said it last year, and they almost missed the playoffs because it's Romanov needs to take a step, but he needs to be given a chance to take a step. Like our, the team's focus should be giving these kids that are the future of the team the proper opportunity they need to develop into the players they can be and, and Romanov needs to be one of those guys yeah it's crucial for the future of this team that Romanov develops in the player we think he, we think he can be yeah no absolutely I mean you know you got he's he's already on the team you know I mean yes you know they, they have a bunch of other guys uh other prospects that uh, that we're hoping are going to be with the Canadians at some point. I mean, okay, we saw what Gooley can do, but you know, a guy like Norlander, he he didn't exactly let it up during camp. You know, guys like Jordan Harris, who knows if he's still even in the organization next year if he leaves as a free agent. You know, they got other guys like Struble and, and well, Mayu, I guess. But you know, I mean, who knows if those guys are going to pan out? Romanov is here now. He, put him in a, in a position where he's going to be successful, successful. I mean, I feel like, you know, with Weidman, you're just asking for trouble. Uh, but, you know, if you put him with Savard, those are two guys that I think can complement each other very well. Savard, you know, he can stay back, do, do what he does best. And Romanov, you know, he can take those chances that we, we, and we saw it last season. I mean, he, you know, unfortunately didn't get the chance to do it too, too often, but when he was playing his own sort of game, taking those chances, that's when he was at his best. Is he going to make mistakes from time to time? Yeah, absolutely. But if he's playing with a guy like Savard, Savard can certainly be there to mitigate those uh, those errors. 
So, I mean, we'll, we'll see it very quickly because it's uh, it's coming tomorrow. And uh, as always, the Canadians, I mean, it seems as, as, as always starting the season uh, against the Leafs. I mean, <laughs> lots of history there. And you, you know the Leafs are going to come out firing tomorrow just <laughs> with, the, with the way the season ended. Right. And like we can laugh about the Leafs in the regular and uh, the, 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 the playoffs all we want. They're very good in the regular season. Uh, however, Austin Matthews is injured and will be missing tomorrow's game, uh, which which is which is a huge uh, huge plus for the Canadians because not only is obviously Austin Matthews an, an amazing player despite that horrible mustache, but he is specifically fantastic against the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, he's he he just he just racks up the goals against us. Uh, he 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 knows how to beat Price or Allen. Uh, no issues there. But uh, he, he's going to be missing, which it, it creates a huge hold for that for that Leafs team because I mean John Tavares is back and he's going to be the big story uh, tomorrow. Obviously, I mean. I mean, as, like, I, I never want the Leafs to score, but, I mean, if, if John Tavares gets a goal tomorrow, I'm not going to be mad, honestly, with, with the way his season ended uh, last year, that horrific injury. So uh, that, that's going to be the big story there, the first one with Marner. But then with Matthews out, that means Kerfoot is the center of the of the second life, and the third line, David Kampf, and then Mike Amadio. And it's just... It just it makes a big difference than them not having uh, Matthews, and it's a great opportunity for the Canadians to, to jump on that and get a, get a win there. And then the next day in Buffalo, there's no excuse. I don't care that you're on a back to back on the road. You're in Buffalo. Buffalo is a tire fire. There's they should win like maybe ten games all year. They better beat Buffalo in game two. Uh, so I mean, there, there's a there, there's a real possibility starting two and zero, oh, even with with Price out to start the season. That's the type of start this team needs. Like, I'm already thinking about like four point games because this is going to be a tight race till the end if the Canadians are going to have a hope to make the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. It's 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 going to be a tight race, a tight race for the Canadians all season long, for sure. Uh, it's going to definitely be a tough game tomorrow, though, even without Austin Matthews. I mean, you know they're going to be looking yeah. for blood after getting bit, you know, embarrassed by the Canadians in the playoffs. So that, that's going to be a tough game and. Looking forward to the game on Thursday against Buffalo. Playing some, playing a team that isn't Cana- isn't a Canadian team is is oh, in the yeah. regular season. Is dude, I'm, dude, that's so true. Because like after that, you got the New York Rangers in Montreal on Saturday. I mean, New York Rangers. It feels like special to be playing that the New York Rangers are coming to Montreal because it's been so long. And the, the San Jose Sharks, like. I don't know. Like it seems so crazy that the Sharks, because just one year without any, any, anything but actually, I guess it was more than a year without anything but Canadian teams. I mean, I, I guess there was Tampa Bay and 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 Vegas at the end, but for the regular season, it's just. I, I'm so excited, like you said, to see these new teams. It's just it's yeah. finally. It was. It seemed fun at the beginning of the year last year, but it got so old so quick. I didn't think I'd ever be this excited to see the Canadians play Buffalo. That's for yeah, sure. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's obviously a tough start right off the bat against Toronto. But uh, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, hopefully they can pull that one out. Buffalo should, you would hope, be an easy game. I, w- I would wouldn't be too surprised if we saw Moulton and Nets in that game. True. And then yeah, Saturday night uh, against the yeah at the Bell Center against the Rangers. That's uh, that's going to be exciting for sure. All right, so I mean, so the one thing about the Buffalo game is they they don't play before, right? So they're they're going to be more rested, but at the same time, you get the jitters for the first game of the season, so that may actually go to the Canadians' advantage. Um, so I mean, we'll, we'll we'll go into some some deeper predictions over over the full season, but I, like we always do, let's let's do some predictions, just you know, immediate predictions uh, up to like what, what's going to be the next uh, next until our next podcast, basically. So we got. Probably just three games. Like, let's include the shark, shark game in it. Or no, let's not. Let's just talk about the first three games. I've changed my mind. The first three games. So at <laughs> Toronto, at Buffalo, and then at home against New York. I mean, I think it's possible they they start off really strong this year, but I'm gonna go two and one. They they, they win two and they and they, and they lose one. Uh, I I think Toronto, like you said, uh, I mean they're gonna come out firing. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be a hard fought game, but I I think they do end up losing probably like like a four two kind of thing. I think they they beat Buffalo like hopefully easily. And I think first home game in New York, I, I think they have a monster performance there and they win. Yeah. No, I, I was going to say the same thing, two and one. I definitely think they're going to lose tomorrow against the Leafs, unfortunately. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, Toronto is is going to be out out for blood. And I think they're they're going to beat the Canadians pretty good. I, I'm going to say like five to one. Um, I think they're, they're going to beat Buffalo, but it's going to be a close game. 
Um, I, I'm going to say they're going to even win in, in overtime, 3-2. to two. Uh, Moltambo picks up his first win as a Montreal Canadian. And the, against the Rangers, they win another close game. Uh, I'm going to say they win in overtime again, 3-2 to two again. And and then looking ahead at the schedules, there's some fun games to start off the year. Because like I said, a team like San Jose is always kind of fun because it's, it just feels like we don't see them that often. Uh, but the return of uh, Kotkaniemi already uh, on the on, on the following week on, on Thursday. And what has become one of the greatest rivalries in, in the NHL, Carolina. and Because there was that whole story, you didn't talk about it, but the, that whole story about how like, the Hurricanes didn't play enough preseason games and the, the league only noticed because the Canadian pulled on them or something like that. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, next level petty. <laughs> yeah. Next level, next level. But like, the, like, I mean, I'm looking ahead a bit further now, but like I, I could see cooking. I having a monster game there. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Uh, you know, that, that, it'll be a it's going to be an interesting game for sure, yeah. and to see to see how Kukinimi plays against uh, against his former team. Uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. I mean, I think all Habs fans are looking are going to be watching that game closely. And then uh, after that, we're already going to see Seattle for the first time by the end of the month. I mean, I'm, I haven't looked at the schedule too much. I'm getting excited looking at it. It's uh, it's uh, it's good to have a get, have hockey back and. Uh, have some actual games uh, to talk about. So, so let, let, let's go a bit more. I mean, we've already talked about the lines and everything. Let's do some quick predictions for the season. Like I already kind of teased it for me. I just, I have it. Like it, it, it came out. Like all, all these predictions, all these sites, NHL.com, TSN, and all that. I, don't, I haven't seen a single person uh, predict the Canadians uh, to make the playoffs, which is, it's exactly where we'd like to be seen, right? You just look at the at the play at the. The, every every playoff series last year, but with the division for the end, and then not only that, just already starting off with these injuries and all that, I really don't see a scenario where, where the Canadians make the playoffs, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, last week I said I thought the Canadians were going to make the playoffs. I've sort of gone back and forth, and and really the only re- I think the, the Canadians definitely have the team to make it. I think some of the teams in, in our division that – that you know everybody thinks are going to be fantastic are going to regress again like i said like i said last week i mean a team like the like the lightning they lost their whole third line that's going to be huge for them you know boston i don't know about their goaltending you know they have swayman who was good last season Olmark, you know we don't know exactly what what to think of him so obviously he was with the with the sabers before toronto you never know i mean I, they're, they're very top heavy i don't know if they'll be as good as uh you know as as, as they were last season and their goaltending too, Mrazek and Jay Campbell. I don't know, or Jack Campbell. Um, but I, just the Canadian from the Canadian side. I mean, so many injuries, and and I think the short off season is going to yeah. have a big impact on them as well. Uh, I mean, so, we've seen it time and time again. The Cup hangover, more specifically for the finalists, it seems, is a real thing. Yeah, and and I mean, obviously, especially this year because the the off season is even short, yeah, even shorter, shorter than yeah. usual. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be tough. But I, I'm, I said it last week, so I'm, I'm just going to stick with it, that they are going to sneak into the playoffs. So so uh, sneak in. Like, it, what you're talking about, like, last game of the year, and we're, like, oh, yeah. we're scoreboard watching, and they need to win. They need three other teams to lose. And, like, it, it's that close, right? They're, yeah. It's going to be exciting all season long. Yeah. But, yeah, they're going to be fighting all, all the way. I mean, and I hope they have that. They get it, and they have that urgency because it's 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 really what it is. I mean, the playoff race starts tomorrow. Honestly, this is this is how tight this this division is is, is going to be. I, I I do agree with you that like I don't think the the Canadians. I think the Canadians are being underrated, and maybe some of the other teams in the division are being slightly overrated. And I I do think that they fit in that that kind of like there's like five teams in the division that are all pretty close talent wise i don't think tampa bay dropped off that much they did lose their depth which is going to hurt them come playoff time but if they can stay healthy in the regular season i really don't think they're going to have a i think they're going to pretty easily win win uh win the division but the rest of the teams are, are, are pretty close uh I, I think but uh yeah I, I just don't think they can do it especially because of the injuries to start the year it just, you hate to start off this way you know like like the mike hoffman not getting the training camp as as, as new players as a new player sucks and it's just I don't know are we underrating the loss of of, of Dano as as that shutdown guy can can Evans uh, like get the job done I mean I actually think he can I don't know I, like I do like this team I think it can do well but it's a tough division and it's, it's 
it, it just felt like it's everything had to go right for the team to be able to make the playoffs. And it's it's anything but everything going right so far. So that's a good no for sure. You know, it, it, it's we're obviously not off to a great start right now with the as far as injuries and stuff like that goes. But I mean, you, you'd rather have those injuries now than halfway through the season, I think. So you can kind of look at that as maybe as a positive, I think. Maybe, maybe. I, I, I don't know. I kind of want to start the season strong, personally. But, I mean, we'll see. But let's get into player-specific predictions. I mean, do you have any kind of, like, you know, like surprises you think are going to happen this year or kind of bold predictions? I mean, I didn't really ask you before the podcast. I don't know if you thought about this at all. but I mean, any any bold predictions? I mean, you know, I think, I, I think Weidman's going to be a big surprise. I think he's going to, to be really solid. I think it, at some point he even establishes – he could potentially establish himself even in front of Sabard, I think. You know, I think he had a pretty decent preseason, uh, and I think he's just going to continue. And especially if he gets the opportunity to play with Sherratt, I think that can – can let him be himself a little bit more as opposed to playing with Romanov. But I think Chris Weidman's going to to prove to be a really, really solid addition. I mean, th- th- that's interesting, but I, 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 I want to believe you. I want to agree with you. I, I, I don't know if it's going to because I feel like there's been a lot of these acquisitions over the years for the Canadians. We get excited. We're like low risk, high reward. They, they very rarely seem to pan out, but I, that would be huge. If it does pan out, th- that would actually go a long way. I don't want to overrate the impact a Chris Weinman would have on the team, but if he can kind of provide what we hope he can provide, it's exactly what this team is lacking. So it would go a long way to help the team, specifically on the power play too, which where the Canadians were struggled mightily last year. So that, that's what I'm excited to see. But the, 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 the addition that I'm most excited to, to see is Christian Dvorak. I, I think he might have a monster year for the Canadians. I think he's playing with great, great line mates. I think him and Dwayne could, could really click. And we can see a career year out of him. And he th- I think he's going to make a lot of fans quickly forget about Kotkaniemi, regardless of how, how well he does in, uh, in, in the offseason in, in Carolina. And I really think I, I, I could see 30 goals, 30 assists from Dvorak. I think he's going to have a really, really solid season. No, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I, I was thinking about saying Dvorak, but I, I thought, it wouldn't he wouldn't really be that much of a surprise but i think yeah his, his production probably will surprise maybe some people and i think uh, you know 30 goals 30 assists I and mean, i think uh, i think it's definitely possible especially you know i mean he's put up some solid numbers last year i mean okay he put up 31 points 17 goals in 56 games but i mean you know this year he's going to be playing with some really solid wingers that i think really complement him well in yeah. Dwayne anderson I mean, and we even saw flashes flashes of that in the preseason. I mean, they looked really good together. And man, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see them right off the bat tomorrow. I'm I'm almost like more excited for them than like I'll always I'm excited for Suzuki and and Caulfield. But like, if and if Dwayne can have a good year, I just I, I just want it for him so bad. And also, it could go such a long way. Because I'm not really that concerned about Suzuki and Caulfield and, and Toffoli. Like, I do think Toffoli's production is going to regress a bit. Uh, maybe he goes back to being closer to a 20-25 goal score than the 40-goal the pace he had last year over an 82-game season. Uh, but, and, but like, I, I'm not too concerned about them having too many slumps. I think Suzuki and Caulfield are going to produce most of the year. I, th- I really think Caulfield is going to be in that Calder conversation all year. So that's great. But what's going to help that, those, especially the young kids in, in Suzuki and Caulfield a lot, is if there is depth. If, if teams can't just key in on that line because Duhoy and Dvorak and Anderson have that chemistry, Anderson's, if he can be consistent, same with Duhoy. That's the thing with that line is, is we're putting Dvorak with very talented players that have a history of being very inconsistent. If they can find their consistency, and then it's a true number two line, it's it's just going to create a domino effect throughout throughout the lineup with the forward group specifically, and could go a long way. That second line is key to the success of this team. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you you already know we're you pretty much already know what we're going to get for that for for the first line, right? I mean, yeah. so it's it you know the second line is definitely going to be huge. I mean, you know, I mean, the third line is, is going to be super important too. can Jake Evans really step into that role and, uh, and, you know, produce offensive. I'm not that, I'm not that confer- concerned about that though. Like, cause like uh, Jake Evans, we've seen, 
he, like I'm not expecting a lot of offense from Jake Evans, not at all. So maybe, maybe less offense than you'd like from the third line, but I think he's going to do the shutdown role well. I mean, Gallagher, you know what he's going to give you if he can st- stay healthy. Uh, and then uh, Armia, just, I mean, a- another player that can have some inconsistency issues at times, but then let's not forget eventually Hoffman comes back and all that. I, like, I'm not too concerned about that third line. I think as far as a third line goes, it'll do well, you know? But, like, if it's a situation where we're not sure which one's the second and which one's the third line because not, neither of them are producing more than the other, then then I'm more concerned. It, yeah. You really need that second line to be the second line night in and night out, and they're producing – and you know you have you know you have at least like one of the guys on that like they're averaging close to like 50 points, uh, maybe per, per player, maybe Dvorak close to 60, and it, specifically also on the power play, like if because then if there's two, because we saw Dvorak and Dvorak quickly have some chemistry on the power play, if that works, and then you know Caulfield and Suzuki are going to look good on the power play. If you have two power play units that what that work, that's going to go a long way. There, it really needs to be two true first a first line and a second line. It can't be like a 1A, 1B, 1C or a 2, 2A, 2B, 2C like we saw last year. We really need to see the distinction between the first, second, and third line. And if we do, maybe they'll surprise us. Yeah, and and I, I definitely think that second line has that potential to do that. I mean, you know, again, the, they, I think they complement each other very well. And, I, I mean, I think we're going to see right off the bat. I mean, especially uh, Anderson's usually a guy that likes to start uh, yeah. start pretty quick. I think he had two goals last season in the first yeah. game against Toronto. So yes, especially against Toronto, uh, like I could see Anderson getting two goals tomorrow for sure. Yeah, hopefully he can get uh, get another two tomorrow. All right, so uh, I think uh, that does it for uh, for today's. Unless you have another prediction you wanted to throw out there, and you have another bold prediction you want to throw out there, I can't. I can't think of anything much more, honestly. Okay, does Cole Caulfield win the Calder Trophy? Let's, let's do that. <laughs> I'm probably going to disappoint a lot of people, but no, I don't think so. So who do you think beats uh, him? Zegers? I think it probably it probably ends up being. Uh, I think Zegers is gonna is gonna be very close, but uh, I think it ends up being Spencer Knight. Now, see, I don't think it's it, like I, I'd be because the thing with the Spencer Knight situation is that like unless are the is is there injuries in uh in, in Florida because I I know he's probably the best goalie of that group, but like are they really gonna like not give uh Bobrovsky's like ten million dollar ass a bunch of starts you know what I'm like <laughs> like they they can't just all of a sudden not give him starts at all like it, it's gonna be closer to a fifty fifty split I mean it's not a bad call Spencer Knight. But I think I think Caulfield has the tools, and he's in the best situation to have the opportunities to. So I think he's actually going to win the Calder. And I think in general too, you have a better shot of winning the Calder. Like let's say they have equal performances, I think a forward who scores a lot is more likely to win than a goaltender. Uh, maybe I mean we'll see. Yeah, it it, it really is going to be all up to you know what how many starts Knight ends up getting. Um, you know, I mean, Bobrovsky didn't exactly put up uh, the best numbers last season, so I'm sort of banking on uh, on Spencer Knight getting a lot more action. But uh, but I mean, obviously, you know, if he does get a decent amount of action, he's going to put up a lot of wins. I mean, we know how good Florida is. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm banking on that. I mean, again, you know, Caulfield, I mean, sort of the one thing that concerns me is he's never played 82 games before. Uh, is he sure. going to be able to, to to deal with the grind over over a long season? Uh, I, I mean, I certainly hope so, you know, but uh, it, it, I think he, he'll definitely at least be in the run all season long. If he stays healthy, I, I, I really think he gets 30 goals. Like, I'd honestly be surprised if he gets less than 30 goals. And if he gets 30 goals as a rookie, I think your odds of winning the Calder are pretty, pretty strong. Yeah, <laughs> I think that, yeah, he's got to have pretty good odds for sure. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, okay, my, my prediction will be that all three teams in the organization make the playoffs. So we're talking about the Canadians, the Rocket, and the Lions all making the playoffs. Oh, that's exciting. Do you have any sort of knowledge of what the Lions division looks like, or are you just kind of... Uh, what their division looks like? No, I, I don't know. Yeah, what I don't know about you. I know, I know what their team looks like. But too much. <laughs> I mean, I know they have a very good team. They, yeah. they have, you know, they have some pretty good forwards, some pretty good defense. They have two very good goaltenders in, in Twilight So uh, I, th- I think they're going to have a very good team. They're basically team, uh, team Quebec over there. 
Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it should, it should be fun. We're, we're going. We're going to the home opener. I think it's a. It's a, it's going to be the blast. I. I they, they're probably going to end up having some of the best fans in the ECHL right off the bat. So, uh, that that could go a long way. I like that prediction. That that if if all three teams make the playoffs, I mean that's that's a huge, huge, huge success. But I mean I'm I'm going to stick with Calder. Uh, the Calder Trophy for uh, I guess that's not that bold of a prediction. I'm sure a lot of Habs fans believe it. But like I I really think. Like not just emotionally, but logically, I really think he has a really, really strong chance of winning it. He has the opportunity. He has the tool set. I mean, it, it's boring to say the favorite's going to win it, but I, I really think he's going to win it. And, and a goal scorer that score like a player who scores goals is going to get votes over a goaltender every day. I know you're partial to goaltenders, but I mean, come on. <laughs> okay. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. So uh, that does it for uh, today's episode. Next week, we're going to do an an episode where we can talk about actual hockey games. Uh, Probably on Monday, maybe on Tuesday. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll update you on social media. So as always, at the Habs Forum on Twitter for the updates. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.